Kina seven <coughs> Zion has many beautiful stanzas, beautiful stanzas about the greatness of Kali Yisrael and their amazing connection with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And what we're, being, what we're lamenting is that how it was seemingly all forgotten during the Kharban. And we're encouraging ourselves to remember it ourselves, to live up to that potential. And also we're trying to bring the Zikaran of our Zchusim to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. One of the lines is, well, is the You didn't remember the bris b'nebesarim that you selected for Avram Avinu, whom you tested b'chunecha, whom you tested with Asar Nisyanis. So this was the moment in history when Klai Yisrael became the chosen nation. This is when, when Akash Baruch Hu chose Klai Yisrael, was by the bris b'nebesarim, was the first b'chira of Klai Yisrael. And why? Because of Avram Avinu, what he represented. And what did he represent? The ability to stand, withstand this yainus, the steadfastness, not, not giving up, not, not being discouraged, and continuing on no matter what the test is. And we believe that we can achieve that level as well. We also can withstand this yainus, and we also can, can demonstrate that kind of love of HaKadosh Baruch Hu that Avram Avinu demonstrated. Another line is, nesher. Which means you didn't remember how you carried us on the win- wings of an eagle when you took us out of Mitzrayim miraculously, as if we all flew out. When we left Mitzrayim, all of Klai Yisrael gathered together from the whole of Eretz Mitzrayim, from wherever they lived, in a moment, or within a, you know, in a few, an hour, however, look, very short amount of time. And that was considered, a, that was a miracle as if Hashem flew them out. And here too, we're, we're emphasizing that Hashem openly displayed His love for Klai Yisrael in those days. And when Tzias Mitzrayim, with the open miracles, the Kaddish Baruch Hu demonstrated an open uh, a love for, for Klai Yisrael. And even though it was a time that Klai Yisrael had just left Mitzrayim, they weren't yet, hadn't yet reached levels of greatness. They had just finished with the years of serving of Edizara, and they, they were far, far, far from perfection. But nevertheless, Kaddish Baruch Hu still showed them such tremendous love and such open love. And their relationship began and was formed then with Klai Yisrael. And again, that's an encouraging thought for us that despite what our failings are, we still have that potential to create that relationship with the Kaddish Baruch Hu. Kina Ches talks about uh, our destruction and our punishments and also what caused it. And it has these two, two of the these points. It says, Egroim Shayomer Balabayas, a Rosha Miyatanani Shomer Vishayas. I will cause that the master, the Balabayas, the master of the household, Baruch, in other words, he'll ask, please allow me, a Rosha, please allow me, and I will make them, Miyatnani, who who will let me make them Shomer Vishayas, means the enemies of Klayasrol who made us suffer, will continue to make us suffer. I'll make them into thorns and thistles, meaning easily burned firewood and kindling. We'll destroy them. And what we're saying is, is that a Baruch Hu can't bear our suffering even now and wishes we would allow him to end our suffering and, and visit full retribution on all our enemies who brought it upon us. Another, another line is, I'll let all know that this is a known fact. That we should realize it was Hashem's hand that brought this upon us. And here, what we're doing is also a very central theme throughout the Kinnis, which is we're acknowledging that what happened is not by chance. It wasn't our bad luck and our position as the smallest nation or at, at being at the, 
the mercy of others, it's every ounce of suffering that does happen upon us was directed at us towards Hashem, by Hashem. And by doing that, we're not guilty of keri. The Pasik constantly in the Teichacha warns us against the halachtem imi bekeri, if you go unthinking without recognizing what Hashem is doing with turning a blind eye and just attributing it to chance, what that does is that brings on greater punishment and greater suffering. Halachtem gam imachem, b'chamas keri, the Kaddish Baruch then creates a greater sense of anger. So what we do is in the Kenna, we constantly reiterate that we understand why this is happening, and we understand that this is happening. It's just, and it's 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 justice for what we did, for the blame that we're taking upon ourselves. But another point that we're also saying, an important point, is that it's only because Hashem did this that this happened. If not, that Hashem would have decreed that the Beis Hamikdash could be destroyed no nation would have been able to destroy it. It would have been impossible. No nation could have possibly um, overpowered us. No nation could have done any of those things to us. It was only because Hashem directly decreed it, and essentially the Midrashim say that HaKadosh Baruch Hu did it himself. We're going to see different references in the Kinnis, how HaKadosh Baruch Hu sent down Gecholim. He sent down coals and fire in the hands of the Malachim to burn the Beis HaMikdash, and only when it was spiritually burned, so to speak, was it possible for then the nations of the world to come and destroy it, and the Basco came out and said that you destroyed something that was already destroyed. You ground up flour that's already been ground up. You burnt up something that's already ashes. And that's also a point that whenever we say that it's Hashem that did it, we both recognize that it's not happening on its own, and we're also recognizing that it's only because Hashem decided to do it that it actually happened, and therefore it's attributed solely to what we brought upon ourselves. The next Kina, Kina test, this demonstrates that everything that happened to us was already foretold in the Teichotah. And we could have had the associated bracha that goes along with that klala. Every, every klala in the Teichotah has a bracha that's, that's associated with it. And would we have chosen correctly, we would have had the bracha, and instead we ended up with the klala because we, we failed to serve Hashem. And we're demonstrating that we're not complaining about our fate. We accept that it was a righteous decree of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and we were warned. And we were actually given a lot of mercy before it was carried out. Hashem says one of the psukim that we say over here in, the, in the, the, this kinna, we say, Lama tarivu alai kulchem. Hashem says, why are you all arguing with me? Chazku alai divreichem. Your words are very harsh towards me. Miyedchem ha'ezayislachem. But this has all happened from your own doing. And we're admitting here that we deserved what we got. And we're not complaining, we're just lamenting. Another line is Vukhalshana Vishana Haisif Yogain Al Al Ain Me's Kas Vinam Shavarti as Gain. So every year that passes it gets added to our my anguish and my mourning from the point when a Khajbah raged at us and said, Shavarti as Gain, which is a quote from the Taikha, I'll destroy their pride and their might. So this also this calls to our attention that the Tsarist that began with the Kharban never ever stopped. They continue to, throughout generations in different ways, they, they wane and they get more and they get less, but there, there's never a point that the suffering that was caused as a result, direct, as a result of the Harbin Beis HaMikdash has ever, has ever stopped. <coughs> Kina Yud is a very, very long Kina. And what it, the reason why it's so long is because it goes through all the Mishmar Kahuna. There are 24 Mishmar Kahuna. There are groups 
and they were all obviously destroyed and disbanded at the time of the Harbin, so much so that no one, no Kayin knows anymore which Mishmar he belonged to. And the Kina also refers to each one of the Mishmaras in a cryptic way, so it doesn't actually refer to them by name, uh, except for a few, mostly it refers to them in uh, just a remez, like it refers to the place where they were, the place, some other uh, aspect of that was re- related to them. <clears throat> and it begins, the Kina begins, How could Klai Yisrael, who's compared to the Rose of Sharon, how could they sit in, mor- in mourning? And the song of praise, with Damam Roin, it was silence. The song of praise was silence, for the Kehanim, who used to carry the Aaron. And this brings to our attention a specific aspect of the loss of the Beis HaMikdash. We can't praise Hashem the way we used to. We, we can say Psuka de Zimra, but <clears throat> you think of it in comparison, like you look at a, a photograph of an awe-inspiring natural phenomenon. You look at a, a photograph of the, the Grand Canyon. Uh, it's beautiful, you know, you can see it's beautiful, but it doesn't inspire any awe. It doesn't actually have an effect on you. But if you actually go to a place like that and you stand there and it surrounds you and it towers over you, so you're overcome. And, and it's just, it, it just constantly invokes the sense of, oh, it, it changes you. And at that point, if you were to make a bracha of Oysa Masa you make it with the proper respect and awe that it deserves, or the, you know, seeing what HaKadosh Baruch Hu created. So when, when we say praise to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, it's like we're looking at best, we're looking at a photograph. You know, we appreciate what Hashem does for us, we see what, <clears throat> you know, the world that He created, but when you were in the Beis HaMikdash, you saw it openly. You saw HaKadosh Baruch Hu doing things. You, you walked into the Beis HaMikdash and you were, sur- you were surrounded by the Shekhinah. And the kind of praise that they were able to give, the depth that they were able to reach with their praise, is something that became totally lost with the destruction of, of the Beis HaMikdash. <clears throat> Another line we say is, <laughs> They were starving and, and thirsting from water and bread. When the Shtealechem, that was the carbon brought on Shavuos, when that became bottled from Shtealechem, Beisalechem was the place where they used to bring it from, they, they took the wheat from. And this brings to our attention that the Karbonus and the Beisalechem were the source of Shefa, of Bracha in the world, meaning to say that all the good that we received, the tremendous Shefa, Bracha, of, of Atzlacha that we got was through the Beisalechem. And the Shteya brought the food and drink that, 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 that guaranteed that everybody in Klai Yisrael had food, everybody in Klai Yisrael had what to drink. And after the destruction of the Beis HaMikdash, the, the Gemara tells us that everything in Eretz Yisrael changed, everything diminished. The fruit, the Gemara says, lost its, its taste, it lost its size, it lost its appeal. I don't know if you've ever gone to a place where, like, say, a certain fruit is native to that place and uh, you've tasted it over here, and you go there, and you taste it there, and it's, it's, you can't compare. It's like, it's, all, it's shipped over here, it's frozen. It's like nothing, it's not even, this, not even clo- close to being the same. And that's what Chazal tell us happened with the Harbin of the Beis HaMikdash. Everything in, in Eretz Yisrael changed. Everything lost lar- a large chalik of its, uh, its appeal. And the, the concept of doing something with blessing and without blessing is something we all experience. You know, where we undertake a project, uh, a person has to do construction on this house or any of these kind of projects. It's something you try to do. If it has blessing, it goes and things work out and things work out as they're expected. And when it doesn't have blessing, one after another, things go wrong and ex- expenses rack up and uh, things fall apart and have to be started over again. And it just becomes a bigger and bigger source of aggravation. 
And uh, Shem Shem Pinkus says a, a beautiful point. He says, you know, Baruch Hashem, we're living at this point, because Baruch Hu, after the Harbin of the Holocaust, smiled upon us and, and gave us a blessing, and he gave us wealth, and he gave us a plenty the way that generations before never had. He says, but we have to understand, it's like, imagine someone who's living in like a little shtetl and, you know, living in abject poverty, and he gets a letter, <clears throat> gets an official letter from a lawyer saying that he just had a relative that passed away and left him $1,000 as an inheritance. This guy's penniless, $1,000. He's so excited, there's like more money he earns in a year. But then he does some more research and he reads a little further, and he sees that actually the relative had left him $10,000. But the lawyers who... Some kind of legal manipulation managed to keep nine thousand dollars for himself, and he's only getting one thousand of the ten thousand that he's entitled to. When a person hears that, then all of a sudden it becomes he becomes furious, he becomes enraged, and he becomes so upset at all that's being held from him. So he says, Rishim Shimshim because he says, yes, Baruch Hashem, Akharish Baruch Hu is giving us a shefa and he's giving us bracha, and what we we're happy with what we have, and we should be, and we should be grateful for it, but realize that with that what we're getting is just a fraction of what we really should be getting. Ka Yisrael, would we be in the Beis HaMikdash, would we be in the Eretz Yisrael, the amount of, of greatness we would have, the wealth and the, the covet and, and, and the level of elevation we would be on, this would just be a tiny fraction of what's truly meant for us, what's truly, what's, what's truly designed for us to have. Eicha <coughs> Yashua. The next Kina, Kina Yud Aleph, is a, uh, a very powerful kinna, and it's lamenting the death of Yeshiyahu HaMelech. Yeshiyahu was a grandson of Menashe, and Menashe was a king who was a Russia. And uh, the Psukim say that through the leadership of Menashe, actually this, the fate of Kaisra was sealed. He caused that the decree of the Harbin was, was sealed, and Hashem said that it was his, his, what he did was too great to be forgiven. But his grandson Yeshiyahu was a tzaddik, and it was clear that would Yeshiyahu have been able to continue what he was doing, he could have delayed the Harbin, and would his work have been continued, they could have delayed the Harbin indefinitely. But instead, he, he was killed, and he was killed by the Egyptians, the Mitzrayim, and, and with that, his work was cut short, and as a result, the, the Harbin was inevitable. It says that, and this Tekina mentions that from the young age of eight, he began to seek out Hashem, because he hadn't learned, that, learned much from his father and grandfather, who were both Rishayim, and he made a spiritual revolution in Eretz Yisrael. He destroyed Avedizara. Some Avedizaras he destroyed had been in place for centuries. And he brought the remnants of the ten Shvatim that were left. They had already gone in Gaulus, but whatever was left, he brought them together. And they, all of Eretz Yisrael brought a communal carbon Pesach. And it's one, actually one of the Haftaris we lay on Pesach. And the amount of good and repair he achieved by doing this is compared in the Kinnah to Moshe Rabbeinu. The, the line is, Gam b'chol malchi Yisrael asher ligdar, even among all the kings of Yisrael that tried to make a breach, they tried to prevent the idolatry, lekom kamoyu avigdar. No one ever was achieved as much as he achieved from the days of avigdar. Avigdar is another name for Moshe Rabbeinu. And the reason why he ultimately died, what, what sin was it that caused him to be cut short, <coughs> to, to be killed, uh, was because of the Lutzane Hadar, the, 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 the hate of the people who, who mocked him. 
And this is also a line in the Kinnah. The sin of the people who mocked him, who scorned him, the generation that stuck to him. They created a do- uh, an idol behind their doors. What they did was they had like a double door when they walk into the house. It's a, a, and behind the, the backs of the doors, it was, there was a, um, create an image of an idol. So when the inspectors came to check if every house had an idol, they would open the doors and the idol would be hidden when the doors were open and then when it was closed it was in the back and it wasn't just a way to get you know to escape the inspectors it wasn't just a a, you know a trick that wasn't the point the point was that they were mocking him that knows they were saying that all that he is doing is a waste of time you can't change cholesterol you can't change us we're too entrenched in a vaydazara you can't make hashem forgive us and it was that mocking, that belittling of his efforts that ultimately led that Kleistra lost him. If you don't appreciate him, then, then, then we lose. We lose our leaders. <clears throat> and um, the, the last thing that the Kinnah says, a beautiful, very, very powerful line is, Ruach Svasav Hifza Mipiu Tzadiku Hashem Ki Marisi Piu. And this this means that the breath of his lips came forth from his mouth. Hashem is righteous because I disobeyed his command. And this is in his death. He was Mekadashem Shemayim. It says he was, he was shot and pierced by 300 arrows. And it's clearly a miracle that he was still alive after being shot by 300 arrows. And he was lying on the floor. And Yermiah Navi went over to him and listened closely to what he was saying. And he was saying, Tzadiku Hashem Kipiu Marisu. Hashem is a tzaddik and I disobeyed his command because Yermiah had commanded him not to go to war against Parai and he did it now nonetheless. And this kinna teaches us how much we need our leaders and our Rebbeim and our tzaddikim. The whole generation is different because of them. Future generations change because of them. The Mepharshim explained that when Menashe killed Yeshaya, it was considered like he fills Yerushalayim from, with blood from door to door because Yeshaya, would he have lived, he had the potential to cause so many people to do tshuva. He had a potential of so many people to change. And by killing him, effectively, Menashe killed all those people as well in a spiritual sense. So every time another Gadol passes away, another Rebbe passes away, we can begin to appreciate how much that causes the generations to... To uh, to decrease. Kina the Yudbeis. This laments the fact that Beis Hamikdash was such a holy site, and now it's so desolate. One line we say is all the Asher Kivanta Mul Mechayin LeShivtecha LeChayfei LeChupai. Ali means my tent that you positioned exactly opposite. The foundation of your heavenly Beis Hamikdash, Ari. The Beis Hamikdash Shalmata is mechuvin connected Beis Hamikdash Shalmaila. The Beis Hamikdash down here is line, aligned with the Beis Hamikdash in Shemayim, the Chayf of the Chupa, like a Chupa canopy. So this is that famous Gemara that the Beis Hamikdash is a Beis Hamikdash in Shemayim. But what exactly is this Beis Hamikdash in Shemayim? That's uh, that's correlated, aligned with the Beis Hamikdash here. So Dessler explains in Chelak Hey. He says that it's Yedua. She Beis Hamikdash Shalmaila mechuvin connected Beis Hamikdash Shalmata. When we say there's a base of Mikdash in heaven, it's not a physical place, clearly, it's a spiritual place. It means it's a dwelling place for our Kaddish Baruch Hu. And what that really means is the base of Mikdash that we create in our hearts. Like it says, the Pasik says, I'll, I'll dwell in, in Kaddish hearts, not not within the base of Mikdash, the true dwelling place of Kaddish Baruch Hu is in our hearts. We build the base of Mikdash within our hearts. 
And when we daven, we're supposed to be mechavan liboy k'neged kodesh hakadoshim. We're supposed to align our hearts with the base of mikdash. And what that means is, is that we're creating that connection and building in our hearts when we daven, when we think about the base of mikdash, when we appreciate the base of mikdash, when we mourn for the base of mikdash. We're building a, a base of mikdash in our hearts as well, and that is the base of mikdash shalmaylo. We perhaps can't have a base of mikdash yet, and perhaps it's not the time, and perhaps it's different things that are holding back from the Mashiach from coming and building the base of mikdash. But one thing we are responsible to do is bilvavi mishkan evna. We're responsible to build the base of mikdash in our own hearts, so that at least the base of mikdash and shemayim should be in its fullest, uh, fullest degree, so that extent that a kaddish baruch shall have that that place to to rest his shechina and represents his place in this world. The next kinah, Yid Gimel, goes through the greatness of the Avis and how Hashem showed them tremendous love and miracles and asks why haven't we merited geula, redemption and protection through their zchus. And essentially we're talking to ourselves, we're saying look how much we must have angered Hashem if these chusim didn't help us. And more importantly we're also reminding ourselves where we come from and what kind of promises were made to our others, and they're still waiting to be fulfilled, and it just depends on us. The, the brachos are there, they're waiting to be filled. One of the lines we say is, Eikai Aymer Kairais La'av Befetzach. So, Eikai is where is the Kai? In other words, where is the merit of the word Kai that was used by Akadish Baruch Hu, who was Kairis La'av Befetzach, who, who uh, made a, a bris, who made a covenant with our father, with Abraham Avinu Befetzach, when he spoke with Rizben Abisarim. During the Brisbane of Basarim, and he said, and he told up uh, Ramavinu that this your children will be like stars and they'll be like that forever. And another line we say is, A Kai, where is the Kai, the word Kai, that was given, that was given as a, a guarantee to Yaakov Avinu during Akudum Nakudum when he was busy with the sheep that had the spots, the that stripes. And what was said was that Hashem communicated that when he makes the deal with Lavan, whatever Lavan demands, Lavan says it should be Nekudim, that's exactly what will happen, it will be Nekudim. And this was symbolic of the kind of bracha that Klai Yisrael was destined to have. That means against all odds, against all statistics, it doesn't matter how bad it seems, how many things are working against us, if HaKadosh Baruch Hu decrees us to have bracha, we're going to have tremendous and unparalleled bracha like Yaakov Avinu had, even though Esav was doing everything in his power, and was doing everything in his power to prevent him. But there's another point that we're trying to mention here. The, 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 what was going on over there with Yaakov Avinu, with the Akudim and the Nekudim, they were, well, that, those sheep represented Klai Yisrael. And Akudim and Nekudim, stripes and spats, represents Klai Yisrael's Averis. It's actually, uh, it's mentioned in Rashi, in, uh, in Echa. Rashi says on the Pasik, Niskad Oil Pshai Biyade, that Akadish Baruch Hu held our sins in his hands. He uses the word Niskad. So Rashi is trying to explain the word Niskad, and he says the word Niskad means like Nekudim Nekudim. They're like dots and spots. Minumarim were spotted, were striped, and those Averis are very clear in Akadish Baruch Hu's eyes. And what was happening when Yaakov Avinu was working with the sheep who were Nekudim and Nekudim, he was attempting to create a schus for Klai Yisrael throughout future generations that although we have sins, although we have Averis, HaKadosh Baruch still should, still should bless us, still should cause us to be fruitful, we should still multiply. And that's also one of the schusim which we're specifically trying to mention over here during the, the day of Tisha B'Av, that although we're perhaps not worthy, although we have these Averis, overlook them the way you did for Yaakov Avinu and, and still shower blessing upon us. Eikai Aretzam 
the next kinah, kinah Yudalid, goes through all the places in the Torah where we find that HaKadosh Baruch Hu already foretold the eventual carbon of the Beis HaMikdash. Uh, for example, Vahara says to tell you is a remis for the desolation of the Beis HaMikdash. We say, Before the heavens were stretched out, Bishali in therein, in the Torah, there was a hint, a remez, Hayois Eretz Tayu, that the, the land was Tayu, was uh, desolate, and that refers to the destruction of the Beis HaMikdash. Another line is, Zan Eine B'Makam Azaz, Yaakov Avinu, he saw this place, he saw the Makam HaMikdash, Vishor Shimuma, and he saw in, the, in Ruach HaKadosh its destruction, and he said, he was saying a kinna, he was lamenting, and he says, Einze means that this will eventually be nothing, it will eventually be destroyed. And uh, another line, a very powerful line, is Moshe Rabbeinu says to HaKadosh Baruch Ma why should I go and take the Yidin out of Mitzrayim? What's the point of sending me? Giladi Yishulach, is just going to go into Galus again, and they're going to have to wait for Giladi, for El Yohan Navi, to take us out of Galus. And perhaps part of what this means is, is that uh, Mepharshim say, Sfarim say that, that the fact that we left Mitzrayim early, if we would have stayed in Mitzrayim the full 400 years, we couldn't. But if we would have stayed for the full 400 years, then we would have totally uh, filled our need for Golas, and there would not have been any other Golas, and Mashiach would have been able to come, and the Tachos Ha'elam would have been reached. And what Moshe Rabbeinu is saying is, you're sending me now, you're sending me early, and all that's going to happen is, is going to cause the need to have Golas again, and eventually wait for Elio and Navi. And the point of this kinna is to demonstrate that Kharbin is not something which was not intended to begin with, which means to say that Kharbin is an intrinsic part of our binyan. Destruction is part of our growth. It's something that was foretold from the, the Briyaz Bayez Shemayim Ba'aretz. Its potential was already put in the Bakam HaMikdash from before it was created because Kharbin is, is a key to our growth. Sometimes we can only grow when, when we see desolation, when everything is destroyed and then we have a full understanding. Sometimes we can only grow so much more in Hester Panim when we are challenged by not seeing Akadosh Baruch Hu openly, when we're cha- challenged by maintaining our faith, pushing forward, although everything seems to point in the opposite direction. And it's that capacity for, for Harbin that we have to understand that it's not essentially, it's as the Pasik says, that Akadosh Baruch Hu isn't, doesn't strike us out of hate, out of anger, but it's just punishes us for the necessity, like a father punishes a child to cause them to become greater, to cause them to reach their potential, to cause them to, to achieve what they're meant to, meant to achieve. So we, we demonstrate how the carbon was already in the works because it's so necessary for what we need to be able to grow. The next keynote has Vav. <coughs> goes through the different punishments we've endured, and it, it's, it's based on Megillus Eicha. So each verse ends with a quote from Megillus Eicha. One, one line is, Kilinu kama'at, we're almost destroyed, kivi nilcham, because Hashem seemed to be at war, at war with us, va'al nicham, but however, Hashem himself regretted the, the evil and sought to do good, ki im hoiga, because even though we sinned, v'richam, Hashem still has mercy. And another line is, Kala Kasai Vihitsis Lahavai. Hashem diminished his anger and his fire burnt to its extent. Shisha And with the end of six years, his fire, the coals he sent down, uh, burnt out. Because Hashem didn't punish us willingly. So this, this is talking about that Akadish Baruchu sent down. 
the, the coals to destroy the destroy the Mikdash, and the Malachim held those coals in their hands for six years to absorb the flames and to allow, allow them to burn out so that our punishment shouldn't be so intense and thinking of what it actually did happen and what then could have happened if they didn't do that uh, is, is very, very powerful. And both these demonstrate that although all the terrible suffering and punishments made it seem as if Hashem is at war with us, and we mentioned this in uh, we mentioned this in, in Eicha also, we say, Doiv Oirev Hili, Hashem is like a beer lying in wait for us. And uh, we said this in the parasha Dvaram also that Klai Yisrael said by the Meraglim, Besinas Hashem Aysanu Hashem hates us. And that's why he took us out of Mitzrayim. And hates us means because of our Averis, like this Farn explains. And what we're saying is, we have to do tshuva for that. We have to do tshuva for thinking that. And we're saying is that Hashem doesn't, didn't really want to do this. And Hashem is suffering by doing it and had, regrets it every moment that he has to do it. And even when he sent the destructive fire to, to, to burn the base of Mikdash, he himself, so to speak, absorbed the fire, the destruction, the pain as much as he could before he sent it down to, to, to burn the base of Mikdash. And this is all demonstrative of the extent of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's uh, Rachamim and his mercy and how much every iota of suffering that Klal Yisrael suffers, HaKadosh Baruch Hu suffers alone with us. Eicha. The next Kina Kina Tes Zion is a story that happened during the destruction of the second base of Mikdash, which we're all familiar with. It tell, tells how Titus entered the Kodesh HaKadoshim and he stabbed the Parechas and the Parechas began to bleed. And he took this as a sign as he killed HaKadosh Baruch So the line we read is, Al HaGoysay Havaz Gover. So we mourn over the plans of the man, uh, Titus, who tried to destroy. Vinata El El Yodai, and he stretches hand out against Hashem, Lamul Lagaber, to try to overcome him. And this is one of the reasons why we removed the Parechas from the Aron Kaidish on Tishabab. So, what really happened? Why did it start bleeding? So Taisa says that Hashem was showing that he was bleeding from the pain of Klal Yisrael, and it was as if he had been stabbed when Klal Yisrael was stabbed. And when you think about it in context, it's, an, it's amazing because it was an open miracle, and there were no open miracles in the Beis HaMikdash anymore for years. They had the last open miracle that had happened in the Beis HaMikdash was the Nase of Hanukkah that was, had happened some 200 years before the Harbin. All the miracles that we read about in the Beis HaMikdash, the 10 miracles, the open Nisim, those all were the first Beis HaMikdash, and they slowly stopped in the beginning of the second Beis HaMikdash. So to have an open miracle like this during, at the moment of the Harbin demonstrates how intense the love of HaKadosh Baruch Hu is for Klal Yisrael and how much it hurt him. But Titus then used it as a Chil Hashem. Other Mepharshim say that the Pereiches was full of the blood from when they spritzed on the Pereiches on, uh, on the Karbanas of Yom Kippur. Now, they actually washed the Pereiches every year for that reason. They were Tevelet, but uh, miraculously, the blood was, so to speak, held over there within the Pereiches, and it didn't coagulate, it stayed, it stayed uh, liquid as a schus for Klai Yisrael to uh, preserve that schus of the of the Abayda of Yom Kippur. And when he stabbed the Pereiches, the Beis HaMikdash had come to its end, and all that poured out to demonstrate that we don't have that schus anymore. And also the Makina tells us that he opened the Sefer Torah on the floor and he committed an act of znus there. And the Kina goes on to say how all the Kehanim, the people and the Malachim, were sure that he would get burnt to a crisp when he tried to do that. But yet HaKadosh Baruch Hu, so to speak, withheld his anger and allowed that to happen. And again, also, it was interesting that they... Um, 
that that Yisrael were convinced that such a miracle would happen against, even though they hadn't witnessed such a miracle and the base of Mikdash was in the process of being destroyed, but they were sure that it was impossible for such a thing. That was the, the level of Kedusha and Tahara and, and awe that they had for the base of Mikdash. And uh, the Kino also makes mention of another Medrash. It talks about the famous Medrash, how why it was the Kaislam HaRavi wasn't destroyed. The Titus commanded four generals and he gave each one a job to destroy one of the walls of the Harabayas that surround the Beis HaMikdash. And the fourth, whose job was to destroy what we now have as the Kaisal Maravi, he didn't do it. And the reason was because Hashem didn't allow it. Because Hashem swore that the Kaisal would always remain and the Shechina, so to speak, hides behind the Kaisal. But the general didn't destroy the Kaisal because he said, if we destroy everything, then no one will know what it is you destroyed. So we have to leave a, a wall up to demonstrate the greatness of Titus that he destroyed such a tremendous edifice and uh, show your prowess in battle. But Titus agreed. He says, you're right. But being that you disobeyed my orders, you have to take your own life. And he had to jump off the Kaisal to, to die. And the truth is that the fact that the Kaisal uh, um, survived all this year, Matzio Solomon, he should be well, used to always say that that's one of the greatest testaments to this nace that the Kaisal still survives. Think of all the enemies that lived in Eretz Yisrael throughout, the, throughout our our history, how easy it would have been for them to destroy the Kaisal and know that that would strike a blow in the hearts of all the Jews, the Crusades that gave, were there, the Arabs that hated us, the Arabs that still hate us. And they, they know that demolishing the Kaisal would be, it would be such a strike against all Jews, but it's the only reason why it still stands is because the Kaisal Baruch swore that it should stand and never be destroyed and be that source of encouragement and then Chizuk and, and, and Amuna for Klai Yisrael. <coughs> So, Chayyash,